0: welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. We're glad you're here. Yeah. Um, We are getting freaky. Getting freaky. It's (laughs) it's about unlawful sexual relations. That's true. There's a lot of freaky going on in this section. So we've finished the Day of Atonement, and now we're about to step into this long section, really for the rest of Leviticus, Mm -hmm. on law. It's Just, just law code laws and well kind, kind of, of kind of yeah um, but we thought it would be good to kind of stop and so you've kind of done a whole yeah. thing
1: where it's like priests and sacrifices have yep. felt like their own thing yep although there are a bunch of laws in there about how to do priests and sacrifices and be a priest and offer sacrifices but when you move from that you're transitioning on what does it mean to be a
0: person <laughs> in israel yeah 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 and it
1: starts talking about law and capital punishment and yep. restitution and certain dollar amounts yeah, like, how Wait you, a second. yeah how
0: you treat your neighbor how you treat your farm how you treat your animals how you distinguish israel's a nation from the canaanites yeah. and the amorites So there's all this stuff going on and we were like okay we did an introduction to leviticus uh you know before but it was really an introduction to, to sacrifice, sacrifice. Right. exactly yeah, yeah. And i was like we should stop and do an introduction to law and kind of go I mean, it's it's one of the hardest questions still today yeah. that scholars have I to have deal I have to with. write an ethics paper about it. Oh, yeah. It's like, is, is, and the question? <laughs> so, oh,
1: the, this can help me write my ethics paper. Yeah, there you I'm go. so
0: excited. But it's like, the, <laughs> and the question is like, how does the Old Testament law apply to Christians today? Yeah. Like, That's exactly right. are we supposed to obey all of it? Like, I mean, you think of the, what was that guy, the year of living, living biblically? Oh, yeah. And he goes and like literally like wears like yeah clothing made from one cloth and and everything like that. tries to obey to the letter and the specificity all the the 611 laws except the sacrificial ones i guess right yeah whoops whoops (laughs) fail year of living partially biblically (laughs) i'm gonna be really meticulous about obeying all these laws except the ones i don't obey (laughs) whoops uh, anyway and so it's a it's a huge it's a huge question um we do not at all pretend to be experts on this yeah uh, I we, think we have studied it and we've thought deeply about it but one thing it's a I hard would, question
1: it's a super hard question and I would we have been super helped by the Bible project so they have oh yeah some amazing podcasts out right now about the law yep. as well as some great videos on the law yep so you should Go watch them. Tim Mackey is a genius. Yeah. Who, he's like, I, the more I listen to people who are experts, yeah. the more I realize how true the introduction to our episode is, where it says like, this is our experiment yeah. to test it's what, a, it's a, it's if right. Jesus is all scripture. Like, this is like a conversation between friends. Right.
0: And yeah. two more people like, let's see Jesus and scripture together. You right. don't need to be an expert to do it. Yeah. And we're living proof of that. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but I also don't want to like cast this vision of us as people who are unstudied. <laughs> we actually, we read a lot of long books with big words in them and we know some things, but. I read the word. You what did I read? The, you word read, did I read today? You read a long word today? Pentateuch. Pentateuch. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, I, yeah, I, I just think it's a, good, it's a good little preface to put on this is, um, you know, I, I would say that no one has necessarily nailed this. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's an ongoing dialogue, ongoing dialogue.
1: about yep. the nature of ancient law versus yep. the nature of modern law versus how yes. do Christians obey it? Right. To what extent do we obey so, it? So we're
0: not setting out here to provide the answer. Um, I don't really have one. I, I'm still thinking through this. So we're just going to process. Yes. Um, and uh, hopefully it's helpful. I think there's some really good things. I think mostly, I, I think probably a, as a listener, you'll probably have just a lot of, of things that you think are the answer cleared up mm. um, and then hopefully have like a better path forward. Because I know for me, as I studied this, I was like, oh, I used to think that and it's very wrong. <laughs> so great. Um, so, and I think the yeah. one, like
1: the apologetic version of this question, the question oh, that we always get yes. asked is like, so what you're telling me is, why? So why do you only obey certain laws, uh-huh. like the ones about homosexuality, but not the ones about different colored fabrics or different right types or, of fabric. or different seeds? That your, means yep. either
0: everything should be allowed or, or nothing. You, or nothing. So yep. like,
1: what's what's happening? Yeah, here? a yeah. lot
0: of and and like, yeah, I'm sure if you're a Christian, you've probably had someone come up to you and ask that question. So like, what's up with all those weird laws in your Bible? And it's like, yeah. let's have some answers. So hopefully that'll be helpful from a, an apologetic standpoint as well. This That's is the work. longest so, like um, caveat we have posted we have at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> episode. We're four and a half <laughs> minutes in. Um, but anyway, uh, okay, so let's talk about, I think, the biggest way that most people have probably been taught to apply and understand mm. the law from Old Testament to New Testament, which is the threefold division. Right, well, maybe circle back a little okay. bit. Okay, like sure. I'll stop what I was doing. What is a like what is law? Oh like um, yeah like is that a better place to start? Like or I don't is, know.
1: should we reverse it? <laughs>
0: should we unreverse it? Should we unreverse it? I don't know. Um, okay so I mean law, let's talk about it. So law, uh we un- we have an understanding of what law is, right? Right. What we understand is law is these written codes that are ratified by a governing body and enforced by that governing body. Right. Um, and So if you need to if you need to yeah. know what a law is, you can google it. Yep. And there'll be pages and pages yep. of You read the bill of rights this morning. I read the bill of rights this morning.
1: Yeah. Um I've read like driver's license laws, you yep. know, like alcohol laws in particular states yep. like how do you work? It, you know like you can
0: go somewhere yep. and there is a written law about the thing that you're wondering about. Yes. And 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 you you can know exactly what to do or not to do based on the letter of the law.
1: Right. And you can be um, excused in a court of law based on a technicality that's within right. the law. Loopholes. So lawyers yep. essentially exploit loopholes yes. in the law. Yep. And that's that's a very pejorative way. Oh, yeah. Explo- that's not all they do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like what you're doing is like, what does the letter of the law say? Yep. You didn't do precisely what the letter of the law said. Therefore, you're free to
0: go. Right. And so that is a very modern Western way of viewing law. Yeah. Um. For the majority of history, laws were not things that were written down, kept, and then held up in court and accu- and like used to accuse people of. Right. That was not so. Um. You know, you you look at like the the law of, of Hammurabi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and um, it's, it's an ancient law. Code. It's an ancient law. The code. Babylonians, the right? The Babylonians, yeah. one of the most famous ones, copied tons and tons and tons of times. Even there'll be even laws within the Old Testament, in the Torah, uh-huh, in the Torah that, that are just copied. From- well. Kind I don't agree with that. Close to copied. The the timelines don't really work out no. very well. I I think the other I think it oh, I think it's the other it's, way around. It could be or they you know they could be like contemporaries of one another. Right, I think right. copied would be the wrong way of viewing it. Okay, okay, okay. I think they lived in the same area and in the same time.
1: And with the same concerns, with the same concerns, right? And yeah. so, they're
0: going to talk about similar things the same way is, it's like you could go to another country, you know, that had no bearing on each other's laws, and you would find similar things protecting human life and protecting property, right? Just because, yeah, so anyway, um, but yes, this, so this law of Hamm- Hamm- Hammurabi, um, is it, like it was widespread, everyone knew about it. The Babylonian Empire, I mean, read Daniel, it was everywhere, yeah, you yeah. know, and and yet. Um, I am reading Daniel. Yeah, you are reading Daniel. <laughs> uh, and yet there are thousands of court cases that we found. Um, I, I mean, I didn't find them. You found them? We, we did not find them. <laughs> that people, My fingernails are still dirty. That, <laughs> that people smarter and more dedicated have found. And um, they're like court documents and uh, marriage filings and all these things from this time period in the Babylonian Empire. And no one quotes the law code of Hammurabi in order to enforce a decision. In so a court what you're saying
1: is there, like today, there was a huge list of written laws yep. somewhere, mm-hmm. but when people went to court, they wouldn't appeal to the law. Correct. They would appeal to to a higher, something else. Right. To something else. Yeah. We actually have this in the Old Testament too. So like in Jeremiah, the, the religious leaders come to Jeremiah and accuse him of blasphemy and treason for, for announcing the destruction of the temple. And instead of quoting the Torah or quoting like anything within the biblical narrative to kind of defend himself, he actually says, no, Micah did the same thing and he wasn't prosecuted. Mm. And so there's this thing within the Old Testament where it's not, you're not even quoting the law within the Old Testament to um, uh, to,
0: to, to justify, to justify yeah, some kind of, decision. of law. Yeah. So anyway, there we just have to kind of think about law a little differently. And, so the and, point and, yeah. there is because it's not
1: necessarily the most binding thing in an ancient law code isn't
0: the written statute. Right. But it's the The, power- The authority over it. Behind the statute. That's right, yep. Okay. And so for us as as Judeo-Christians who serve Yahweh, what we are trying to find in the law code is what is the character and will of Yahweh. And we talked about that in the
1: Exodus episode. We did. So like, why are these uh the 10
0: commandments? Because they're expressions of the character of God. Exactly right, and so there is this God who is over everything, who has a will for his people, a will for his world, um, and that is expressed in different uh, political, social, cultural environments. Um, differently. In, differently in this. And, and so we get a snapshot of that here in Leviticus and in Exodus and Deuteronomy. We get to, and, and, and what's interesting is as the people move from one locale to another, the law changes slightly. That's right, right. That's right. So
1: for us as modern listeners, we're like, wait, the law changes. Does that mean God changes? That's not. But that's not what you're saying. What no. you're saying is, the character of God is such yep. that it is being it is is constant. It's unchanging. It is holy. It is unique. But the way that God's character is expressed in different situations.
0: Changes. Yeah, based on the situation. And so like, uh, you know, Tim Mackey over at the Bible Project that we talked about earlier, he, he mentions this in their their podcast that's coming out around the same time as this one. And um, he talks about how uh, in the Passover, it was talked about, uh, it was back commanded in back in Exodus. It said um, to to roast the, the lamb. Right. Um, do not boil it. Yes. And then in Deuteronomy, uh, later on, it says... Uh, roast or boil the lamb Like, Go ahead and boil it It's totally right. fine And it's like Wait 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 But you said Thou shalt not boil, boil the lamb. lamb And now you're saying Thou shalt boil the lamb Is that a contradiction And it's like No it's not um, And if you think That the law is Like the laws We have today like you Statutory laws Statutory laws You have a contradiction In, the, in your bible so you've got to start. You've got to see these things as different. But
1: if you understand that the law is a particular expression of God's covenant relationship with His right. people in a particular time, it makes sense. So <coughs> maybe there was a reason in Egypt why boiling would have been in a, an inappropriate way
0: for uh, for you to prepare yeah. the. Yeah, and animal. it was probably just the expedit- expeditious nature mm-hmm. of their flight. They, everything oh, yeah, was yeah. eat standing, keep your, keep your belt on, get ready to go. And it's right. like, okay, but first I got to get this water pot out, get the water boiling, right. chop up the pieces, put it in there. Stuff takes a while to boil. No, just throw it on the fire and eat right. it. Like and that's, that's probably the, part, the reason.
1: Because the character nature, the thing that we're, we're tying back to the character nature of God is like God's salvation is coming quickly. quickly. So get, get ready. Eat. eat like that's true. Yeah. And we, uh, we even have another example of this mm. in, uh, Numbers chapter nine so when we're about to get to the Passover laws, but you're not supposed to eat the Passover uh, if you're ritually unclean. Oh, right. Yep. And, or you're not supposed to kind of sacrifice anything if you're ritually unclean. But the Passover law comes, uh, Passover time comes, and a group of men comes to Moses in Numbers 9 and says, we are ritually unclean because we've touched a dead body. Oh, right. But we still want to participate in, in the pa- Passover. In the Passover. So Moses goes back and asks, Lord, well, what should I do here? And God changes the law. Yep. He says, don't prevent anyone from eating the Passover because they've touched a dead body. Right. So is the law contradicted? No. No. It's changing for the situation. It's changing for the situation. Uh, there's another example I thought of as well. When da- So only the priests are supposed to eat the bread and oh, the right. feast in the temple. But then David. But David, yep. when he's on the run from Saul, goes to the temple and the priests give him the bread to eat. Yep. Why? Because there's a character and nature of God at work. And so there, the preservation of life Yep. Is more important in this particular instance mm-hmm. than the preservation
0: of the sacred. I don't know yeah. how to describe yeah, the, that. Yeah, the sacred rituals. The of, sacred yeah, rituals of the totally. temple. And Jesus pulls on that in the New Testament and makes the same principle application. Right. Yeah. And uh, and we've even seen one of these instances in a recent episode in Leviticus, right, yep. where it was like uh, Aaron, like didn't wouldn't. Uh, What was it? It was a sin offering. It was supposed to be a sin offering, but he treated it like a burn offering. Yeah. And Moses came, came, come and freaked out. And he's like, dude, no. What did you do? And uh, he's like, you're going to die too. He says, I can't offer this because I'm grieving. I'm "I'm grieving. And so basically he was like, he invented a law? Yeah. (laughs) Based on (laughs) the
1: character and nature of God in his particular moment, he said, I shouldn't do this because I know who God is and I know myself in light of that. And if I'm God's covenant partner in this world, I cannot. Right do that we have another one here we just read it in the day of atonement when aaron is supposed to offer a bull but when that law was made in exodus for the priest it was a calf we talked about this very briefly Mm. but the idea was back in exodus you had to sacrifice a young bull a calf because you would just sin by making a golden calf oh right and here the situation a little bit further removed, right? And that youngness of the the bull is not necess- it's it's necessary. It's less important. The it's symbolism is less important, right? Yep, it's still there. It's, yep. right, it's a bull, but again, <coughs> we're not after a statutory law. I think the tradition is called common law, which, Common which law. is what Tim Mackey pulls out. It's a oh, common right. law tradition. Yeah. It's like
0: just things that we all know about, and you're appealing like, to a higher
1: power right. or a, a mythology yep. or something that informs the decisions of everyday life, right? And that's what happens throughout the rest of Leviticus. You have common law applications based on the character and nature of god you have applications of that law in certain
0: different arenas of life right and so i think what a lot of people might be thinking right now um is there's probably two camps of people the 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 one camp is probably we'll take the confused camp out there's one people like i have no idea what you're talking about But, but there's there's one group of people who are probably like yeah, I totally know. I've been arguing with my other Christian friends about this, mm. and I've told them so many times that the laws of the Bible are based on culture and don't really apply to us today because we live in such a different culture. Okay. So, like, you know, laws about homosexuality and um, and other things like that just can't Adultery, apply. Adultery, right, yeah. Like, just can't apply because they they're a part of this other culture. culture. Laws, yeah. Right, yeah, it's like you know, laws against women. You right. know, like that was that was a misogynistic culture. So they can't, yeah, or even can't the laws about
1: fabric, like no, these all, do, yeah, yeah none totally. of these apply because right.
0: they're all cultural. And so some of you are like, yeah, totally, I agree, but well, that's not what we're saying. Well, that's there's a, a difference. The, between, uh, oh, oh, let me yeah. get to my other well, group. Good, fine, fine. And then there's the other group of people who are probably like threatening to delete our podcast and mm-hmm. never listen to us again because you're like, this sounds wrong. Because right. the law of God, not one jot or tittle will ever pass away from the law, as Jesus said. And He's not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. How dare you say that it can change and or alter or morph at all? The, does right. God lie? Does He change His mind? No, He doesn't. And so it's like, what? What's the? Like, what how are we, do we, What are we actually
1: saying? And so say that
0: is that is where the crux of this uh, this argument really really because comes. You could take what we're saying and either think.
1: You, you can think bad things about us yep. based on what we're saying here. Yep. But I think this is the appropriate way to understand it. And remember, Leviticus, well, the Torah is a narrative. Yep. So fundamentally, this is not a law book. This isn't the code of Hammurabi. Right. We've talked about this over and over again. Leviticus is responding to the fact that Moses can't enter into the temple. Aaron can't enter the temple. And it's responding to the fact that God wants to live in the midst of his people. So how do we do that? We're st- and the book is structured to tell you that narrative, and throughout it are other narratives of people getting it wrong, Nadab and Abihu, yep. the goat demon offerers, which we'll talk about next week. Even uh, the way it's structured should make you understand that this isn't a complete law book. It is a selection of laws to give right. you a, look, a glimpse at the God behind the laws. Yep. For example, we'll talk about this next week, but every single category of laws we'll take next week are done in groups of seven. So it's seven laws, seven laws, seven laws, seven laws. I am holy. Seven laws, <laughs> I am holy. Seven laws, I am holy. Why just seven? Because it's not <clears throat> communicating the full breadth of the law. Right. It's communicating a point. Yes. God is holy. Be like him. Yep. And here are seven examples of what
0: that holiness yes, looks like. Yes, exactly right. And they're, yeah. Anyway, so that's that's really good. So we're going to, we're going to. And yep, okay. I got one more thing. Okay. So you said, what you're saying
1: is, I told you. So our liberal Christian friend is saying, yep. like, see, right, Like it's based on culture. That's not what we said. Nope. We said it's based on the character and nature of God. Yes. Which is actually profoundly different. Yes. And so the character and nature of God expressed itself through a law code in ancient Israel that had capital punishment attached to it and all these other things. And it was a geopolitical nation that was fairly racially homogenous and all these other things. And now we have a different situation where we're multinational, a multinational multiracial church. Yep. And so what the question we're not asking is how is culture changed? Nope. So that we can change the laws to fit our culture. Right. Yep. We're asking because God is the same, wow. but cultures change all the time, how do we apply the permanent nature and character of God to a situation that's totally different and can't exist anymore? We don't have a temple. Right. We don't have a sacrificial system. Yep. So how do you obey the sacrificial and temple laws? Yep. You don't do that by offering new sacrifices. You do that by worshiping Jesus Christ, the once and sacrifice for all time, (laughs) right? Right. right. So that's what we're at. That's the question we're asking. What is the permanent nature of God? Yep. How does that inform a different culture?
0: Yeah. Because like the argument for cultural change is, is normally like the only reason why these laws existed was because the culture was this way. Right. And, and so, therefore, if the culture has changed, the law changes. That's not what we're saying. The a priori or the, the presupposition, Ooh. The be- what's the normal word for a priori? Beforehand? The, before, <laughs> the beforehand thought um, uh, it, the is… The presupposition. The presupposition is culture. Right. And that's the cause of this law. We're saying, no, the cause, the a priori of the law is God's character and his will for his people. Yes. And it is expressed in maybe different ways… Based on the 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 struggles and context of that particular right. people in that particular place, right? And we know this, like in in mission work, like you don't just go and plant a church in Rwanda the that same looks way you like would, in Edmond, yeah. Like that's that's Edmund dumb. That's where we live. That's where we live. And it's like that that would be dumb. There's there's this there's this process called contextualization where you don't change what church is or like what the gospel is or what the bible says but you contextualize it so it makes sense to that people yeah the truth is the same its expression is different yes and that is exactly the same thing we're talking about god is the same but the laws are slightly different okay so we're gonna try to now ask now that we've looked at what the law is where it comes from, what it's based on. Now, let's say, how do we apply it to ourselves today? We can
1: talk about your three things
0: again. Right, we get to go to that thing. We can unreverse it. <laughs> unreverse. And so, I think that was a good, a good move. Um, okay, so a lot of times, Thank you. the That's most kind com- of you. you're, you're very welcome. You also good made sir. me coffee today. You've been very I nice. Did. Oh, well, I love you. Uh, <laughs> oh, and love so, you too, David. <laughs> the, oh, <laughs> sweet moment. Uh, okay, so there's there's when I grew was growing up, the most normal way I heard how to a- apply the law to Christians today. Was right. this way? It there's three divisions in the law. Okay, there are moral laws, civil laws, and ceremonial laws. So like moral laws would be like the old like the like don't the, have sex with your sister or the Ten Commandments. So the Ten just, Commandments, like, yeah. right? Like don't covet. That's yeah. a that's a moral claim. Right, right, don't right. Don't right. covet your neighbor's car. Moral Got law. It. Okay. Got it. There's civil laws, which kind of like are societal legislations. Right. So Make like, sure you build guardrails on your roof so nobody falls off. Exactly. Okay. City code. City code, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's ceremonial laws, which are like the sacrifices and the priestly garments and everything that happens inside the tabernacle. Okay, yeah. So I've moral, civil, ceremonial. And what people say is, well, the ceremonial laws were taken care of By Jesus in his his death, burial, and resurrection, so we don't need those. The civil laws were for a particular people at a particular time in a particular place. And so uh, the church is the
1: nation which the Lord has redeemed. That's right. Civil laws don't apply because right. people live in nations all over the world. Yep, okay. and so
0: the civil laws don't apply. What what still applies today, though, are the moral laws. Okay, and yep. so that that's that's the that's kind of the, the the argument. Now, there's several problems with this.
1: Well, the first <laughs> problem is that the Bible never makes
0: that distinction. Exactly, the New Testament nor the Old Testament ever make a distinction between these three laws. In fact, quite the opposite is true. We have. All three of the we have examples of all three of these arbitrary divisions pulled upon as authoritative in the New Testament. Oh, okay, yeah. I was going to say even more, even just more
1: theoretically. Like it's really actually hard to separate a moral from a civil law or a moral from a ceremonial law. Exactly. So, so that's
0: one of the problems is that a lot of the civil laws are based on the moral laws. Yes. Right. And so, So like, love your neighbor uh means. Make sure that your house is safe with them. Exactly. So it's
1: like—is that a moral law? Are or you? A do- civil is it law? just
0: because there needs to be there needs to be like uh, what are they what are they called the parapets, parapets? This All is on on a literal roof? law.
1: Go back to Exodus and you could read it. It's like yeah. the, you based on love your neighbors yourself. You should build parapets around yep. your house to make sure nobody
0: falls off it accidentally. Right. Yeah. And so, are you just doing that because God loves parapets? <laughs> right. 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 Or are you doing it because that's a way to love your neighbor? Well, right. it's to love your neighbor, and so. If I'm supposed to obey the moral laws, I have to obey that civil law. Yes. And so it, it's too hard to separate. And then um, these laws or these categories are too hard to draw like lines between. So right. is the Sabbath moral, civil or ceremonial? It's It's impossible to tell. It's possible, yeah. Which is why Jesus made it a centerpiece of his fulfillment Mm, language because it just, you can't, like, you can't, it it touches everything. Like, it touches absolutely everything. Or I'm
1: even thinking of a ceremonial moral, like, split or, like, Uh convergence, like with Nadab and Abihu. They broke a ceremonial law Mm -hmm. by offering a different type of fire or a different type of offering the Lord commanded but it was actually a moral failure on their part and so they
0: were punished for it mm-hmm. or even like yeah so like or um yeah yeah it's good yeah. and so um yeah so the 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 New Testament even uses a lot of these um different different laws or, and so like uh you know Jesus says uh love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, you mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself that is du- like like direct quotes from Leviticus Seventeen to twenty-two, like yeah, this yeah, yeah. this passage here, um, the Ten Commandments are quoted often in the New Testament. Yeah, uh, Peter even quotes a passage uh, or a, a verse from this passage that we're going to look at next week. Yeah. Be holy as I am holy in First yeah. Peter one sixteen. Um, and and this this shouldn't surprise us. Like so the point you're making here is like the idea that you can separate the civil,
1: ceremonial, moral laws from each other. One doesn't make sense because they overlap. In many cases, in the Old Testament right. and in the New Testament, uh, they never treat it as separate categories. No. They just say the law as a whole yep. is
0: is good. good. <laughs> and and like I mean, and Paul see, will say that multiple times. Yes, the law is good. And think about like First Corinthians nine nine, where Paul says, "Don't muzzle an ox whenever it's treading out the grain," and he doesn't say, right. "Now that doesn't apply anymore." But here is the principle. He right. just says it, and it's a it's true. It's it's law. And yeah. then he goes, "That means." You know, whenever a preacher is at your church and working, uh, he you, deser- should pay him. you should pay him. You should feed him while he's working. Don't muzzle an ox whenever it's trading the grain. Again, eternal, unchanging mm-hmm. God responding to a particular cultural moment. Right. And so, basically, what we're saying is. The threefold division way is 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 just an unhelpful way of, right. of trying to answer. It's not this the way question. the Bible thinks about itself.
1: Right. It's a way. It's an easy way. It's an easy it way. It feels really easy right. to say. Well, th- those are ceremonial and those are civil laws and those don't apply anymore. And we just. Start fresh with Jesus, right? It's really easy, and it's kind of compelling, in some because it's so easy. Yep. But it's just not the way the Bible thinks about itself ever. That's right. And And, so
0: we're gonna have to have a better answer to the question of how do we apply the Old Testament law to ourselves today, other than well, we just obey the moral ones because that's just not going to be the answer.
1: And besides, if you say that to somebody, one, I think you'd end up being intellectually dishonest because they're going to push back on you. Well, what about the Sabbath? Those are that's a conflation of all three, and you'll be like,
0: you don't have a category for that. So like. Exactly. Yeah. You need a better answer than that. Yeah, um, And so l- let's also look, so instead of trying to see how they're different and how maybe we've departed from them and, and everything like that, which is kind of what most of these conversations turn into, well, well, things are just different now. And the new Testament is under the new covenant and that's the old covenant. It's like, let's actually look at how similar these two covenants are. Like, yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. so first off the old covenants, you know, cause well, actually let me pause and reverse. Pause, reverse, reverse, reverse. Right? Because the law is part of the covenant. That's really important to talk yeah. about, right? That the this law was given to a specific people that God had made promises to and entered into an agreement yeah. with. God saves Israel out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. He meets them on Mount Sinai and he
1: says, "I'm going. You are my people. I am your God. Will you do what I say?" And they and they say, "We yeah. will do all that you command." That's right. They've entered into this covenant relationship. Then they are God's covenant partners in a particular pe- place and time. For the rest of right. the time, ta-
0: yeah, yeah, and so the Old Testament covenants. I'm just going to look at similarities between okay. the Old Testament and New Testament moral commands, which what we might call laws. Okay, okay? so Old Testament covenants, uh, in which there are laws, are based on grace. Right, yep. so God called Abraham. Whenever he had done nothing to deserve it, he rescued Israel out of the land before of Egypt they, before, before the law was before given. Before the law was given, and he chose David, the smallest and weakest of his family. Like yeah. it's all grace, and, and so uh, it, it's very similar. Just pause right there. Yep, it's all what, grace.
1: What's it? Just <laughs> I think a lot of people don't understand that that is in the Old Testament that <laughs> right. like grace precedes obedience. Yes. Like God's salvation comes before our adherence to his law in response right. to his salvation we obey right such that's god, god when never i first set, heard that yeah,
0: <laughs> it blew my mind it, it still blows yeah, my mind. god never set up a system in the law where if you obey the law perfectly then i will save you only once you offer all the sacrifices will my presence fall right my presence is already here now how can we live together how can we live together yeah. how can you come closer to me is yep. the book of leviticus yeah, yeah how can you be made in my image how can you be holy as i am holy right. how like, can you be like me yeah and so it's amazing. It's yep. not what we think it is. The laws are not here to um, give us a way to earn our salvation. They're here to make us like God and to let us live in communion with him. Yeah. So anyway, it's all grace. The New Testament, obviously, in Jesus, that new covenant is all grace as well, right? Jesus called us, rescued us, chose us, just like he did Abraham, Moses, and David. And so yep. it's, all, it's all grace. Uh, and with yep. that, we, we talk, so it's all grace. It's all about our relationship with him, but it's also about our relationship
1: with the world. So a covenant assumes that we are doing something with God, yep. right? So like a covenant in the ancient times would be two nations coming together to rule together over right. a particular like mm-hmm. plot of land. So when we're in a covenant with God, we are ruling with him. That's why there are all these civil codes. That's right. You have a city and a civilization that is supposed to reflect God's glory in the things that, as small as architecture, yeah, and it right. goes
0: back to it goes back to the garden. It wasn't just, hey, just live with me and let's chill out together. Let's
1: build something. Let's build something.
0: Let's be fruitful and multiply. Tend the garden. Don't eat that tree. Right. Great.
1: Same <laughs> thing applies to our state. Not just in evangelism, but we're supposed to build. That's right. C- like civilization, businesses, and buildings. Yep.
0: In a that- just moral way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the second one we actually already talked to, talked about the second uh, like agreement between old and new covenant is that law is a response to salvation. Yeah. Right? I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, 10 commandments, right? Like grace always comes first. And it's it's the very same thing. The moral imperatives of the New Testament are always based on the gracious indicatives of the gospel.
1: Right, so if you read the book of Ephesians or Colossians or Philippians, the first couple chapters are normally all about, here's what God has done for us in Jesus. And because God has done all of us for us in Jesus, let's also talk about- What we do. What we do. Yeah. What does that mean for churches that lo- that are ethnically divided? What does that mean for marriage relationships? What does that mean for family relationships? What does that mean for um, your personal Sexual right. holiness, like. like
0: so, like the New Testament has moral imperatives, it has right. law, yeah. but they're always as a response to salvation, just like the old, just Testament. like the Old Testament. And then thirdly, there are blessings and curses in both. Mm-hmm. They're not called necessarily curses, you know, right. in the New Testament, but they are all over the place. You know, there's blessings and curses in the Old Testament. So if Deuteronomy yep, uh, thirty yeah, two, th- yeah, 26. and on, yeah. It's like, yeah. It, it's like I said before you, life and
1: death, mm-hmm. blessing and
0: curses now therefore choose life. life right. Yep. And so, if they obey the law, they get to stay in the land and enjoy uh, abundance and all this stuff. If they disobey the law, they'll be cursed and exiled from the land. Right. In the New Testament, uh, if we obey, we're promised reward, which is crazy. Uh, Not and, just being with, with the God, Lord, but like ruling and reigning with Him. Even more. But crowns yeah, and like what crazy authority, authority. Yeah. and power yeah. it's yeah. insane and so there's a blessing right mm-hmm. uh, but then there's also curses like if you disobey even what you have will be taken from you uh you'll survive but only as one escaping the flames you'll be exiled you'll from be god's
1: presence forever forever yeah right. where there's
0: weeping and gnashing of teeth like right. there's blessings and curses based on um so something, law.
1: so that's something to know there then is like sometimes we have this understanding of god's law as being really harsh and vindictive or cruel in the Old Testament, oh right. But, the, God, but God's love and mercy triumph more in the Old Testament. One of the thing, most helpful things I heard was from D. A. Carson. He says, "Actually, that's false. Both God's love and His justice are ramped up in the New Testament. Right. So both the blessing and the curses have Get more intense. Have more are more intense. Yep. You have eternal life, nice. not just life in a land until you die. Yeah." but you also experience eternal exile, mm-hmm. eternal separation. So not just God's love is elevated, be, and we see that beautifully in Jesus, right. but we also see God's justice and <sighs> his exile and the curse elevated because why? Look at Jesus, God himself died. Right. So like that's, that's both are elevated.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at, let's look at like a command that's in both, like adultery, you yeah. know, and stuff like that. It's like, if you, if you commit adultery with, with this other woman while you're married. there's In like, Israel, yeah. after the book of Leviticus was written, R- right? you die. You die. They're stoning. You're stoning. Right? Uh, but then in the New Testament, Paul never says that you're
1: stoned, right. but he does say something far more brutal. Adulterers do not inherit
0: the kingdom of God. Yep. It's eternal separation. It's crazy. And so it's like, we should not have this false division in our head of Old Testament laws, harsh, strict, mean you know uh, you know antiquated and then new testament laws are fluffy and white clouds and everything's fine it's like everything is ratcheted up now yes the blessings are way better yes but the curses are even more severe yeah and so i think that that is a helpful thing for us to think through it's like the the way that god
1: interacts with his god is eternal and unchanging and the way that he interacts with humans is fundamentally the same yep do good just like the, the just like the promise to cain obey or you'll be exiled from the garden right do good and you'll be accepted and if not you'll but you'll be cast out into the wilderness like it's the same thing
0: and so what we're saying here is whereas the threefold division sought to show how different the new testament is from the old testament right and say like these two-thirds of the laws don't apply anymore we only need one-third uh we're saying the exact opposite we're saying actually the idea between uh, the the key to answering the question how do we apply the old testament laws to today is not in saying how different the old testament is from the new testament but showing how similar they are and when we say similar
1: not just in the law for law because it's like it's not that similar Nope. it's in the character and nature of god right god is responding and treating humans in a covenant relationship he is holy and unique and he demands that his people be holy and unique in the same way
0: Okay, so we need to answer now. <laughs> we've said, we've <laughs> said it's not a threefold division where everything's different. It's more like every, everything's very similar that the Old and New Covenants are right. based on grace, and we respond in obedience to the eternal laws of God um, because of his salvation and attached... Eternal character of Eternal God. character of God. Yeah, yeah. And uh, because of that, there's blessings and curses that get yeah. ratcheted up in the New Testament. Yeah. So now, in order to say, in order to answer the question, how do we apply the Old Testament law to us today, I think the best place to look is, let's see how Jesus treated the law. Right. Right? And his most famous statement is, yes.
1: I have not come to abolish, abolish the, the law. law. So he's kind of reinterpreting the Old Testament and saying, actually, it's not about just not sleeping with somebody. It's about not looking lustfully at them. Not looking lustfully at them. So after this long extended thing we call the Sermon on the Mount...
0: It's actually, bef- it's actually it's actually the, the beginning. It's the beginning. It's the beginning. It's the preamble to the Sermon it's on the, the Mount. It's the preamble. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I haven't read, so, the, I yeah, re- so, read the Sermon on the Mount. So it's like, there's, like the, there's the Beatitudes and then yeah. there's a small section uh, and then there's this famous statement and it's like the preamble to uh, how he, he's about to treat this new law. And the
1: reason he says this is because some Pharisees are pushing up against right. him and they're asking the same thing we're all asking. Aren't you being inconsistent? Right. Aren't you not treating the Old Testament law the way that you're supposed to? And Jesus says, no, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Fulfill it, right? And that word that that's a, such a strange, yeah. Word. Like that doesn't like abolish and fulfill don't feel like, like opposites oh, to yeah, each antonyms, other. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So it takes a little bit for us to figure you out. You would
0: think like abolish and keep, right? Or uphold, yeah. maybe. Yeah, reinstate. Or, yes. Yeah, and
1: maybe that's the closer one. Reinstate. Yeah, I have not come to abolish the law, but to reinstate it. Or I've heard like correctly interpret or right interpret for a new time yeah like you know right. like and that's so that's what kind of what we've been getting at this whole yeah but podcast. he's saying fulfill which but he's saying which fulfill.
0: which is is a is a matthew way of saying bring out the full truth right so like for matthew uh in the center he has he has an interpretive rubric in the center of his book and it is this very tiny short story uh, that has become one of seth and i's favorite and such I was, yeah and it's found in matthew 13 uh, 52 and uh and Jesus says, Every scribe scribe who has scribe. been described, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Yeah, when I first heard that, I was like, What does that mean? And I have skipped over it for years. Years same. Yep, years. What? Why is it so amazing? Well, because he, what he's saying is he's like, so scribes are the people who interpret and know the Old Testament. Right. And um, and he's saying, so a scribe is someone who goes to their treasure, which is the Old Testament. Yeah. And out of it, they're able to pull out all the old treasure that's always been there, that you've always seen. It's wisdom always been God, good. The, the wisdom of God, the character of God, the nature of God. The story of, of salvation for Israel. Pull out that old treasure. It's really good. But the, the scribe trained for the kingdom of heaven can now pull out new treasure as well. Which is why all throughout Matthew, you see this word, fulfill, 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 fulfill. And what he's saying is like, this was to fulfill what so-and-so said. And this was to fulfill what so-and-so said. And and most of the time, the things that he's pointing to in the Old Testament ha- were not waiting for fulfillment. No one was waiting. Like, uh an like, example. Well, like, so a lot of people would be like, the the virgin shall be with child. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, Isaiah 7. And it's like, and then there's Jesus. And he's the fulfillment of that prophecy. Right. There- yeah, wait, wait. What I thought that was, I thought
1: that happened back in Isaiah. Yeah, and it's yeah. like yeah,
0: it was about a king and, right, and everything yeah. like that. But like that one promise fulfillment, we kind of right. get that. Yeah. But a lot of the ones that Isaiah points to are just like so, kind of one off liners. Yeah, like
1: uh, he will come out of Egypt. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like he will be called a Nazarene isn't even in the Old Testament, <laughs> and yet it says this was he, he fulfilled this was to fulfill <laughs> he shall be called a Nazarene. Wait, what? So he's talking about an inference made from a couple different places that then people just kind of had in their heads, he would call it. And so it's like... So what's the new treasure? So the new, yeah, the, the new, new treasure is Jesus. Jesus. Yes, the new treasure is Jesus. And so when Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law, what he's saying is, I'm coming to show you the new treasure. I'm mm-hmm. coming to show you that I am the treasure that was in the Old Testament. I'm tr- I'm here to show you that... I'm the treasure in the law. In the law. And so like when we come in and look at the law, we're like, oh, there is a new treasure inside of it and it's jesus and it's not only hit his his person and his death bear and resurrection it's also how he lived like jesus lived as the perfect embodiment of someone obeying the law perfectly like that's that's what he lived like right and so we can look to him and it's like how did he fulfill the law see
1: how he lived well right because what do we keep saying like the law is a expression of god's infinite perfect character in a particular moment in time. So Jesus comes in a particular moment in time perfectly expressing the character and nature of God (laughs) in that particular moment which is why it was so category blowing for everybody for the religious leaders for the prostitutes and the tax collectors for the pilot. It's like you embody something that feels transcendent. he's like, that's exactly right. There's an <laughs> eternal unchanging law and I am perfectly embodying yeah, it. I am, I am it. fulfilling it.
0: I am, I it. am the treasure yeah. buried in the law. Yes. I'm the thing behind the law. Right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And so um, Jesus came to fulfill it. So let's see kind of some of the things he did with specific laws to yeah. maybe see if that sets a rubric for us to be able to do it ourselves. Okay. Okay. So uh, first, uh, let's look at the Sabbath. Right, great. He always interacts with the Sabbath, and now now Jews you thought, already
1: mentioned because it's like it's kind of like one it kind of messes with everybody's categories. Yep. It's the defining feature of being a Jew. Yep. it is b- embedded in creation. Yep, it is something that organizes the entire week of every single Jew. <laughs> so
0: even if you were like not very theologically nuanced, you'd be like, my whole week is built around the go, Sabbath. The Sabbath, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, and so, but Jesus does not practice the Sabbath like all the Jews practice the Sabbath. Um, you know, the Mishnah, um, it talks about how to practice the Sabbath, uh, which is like... Which, this, yeah, the
1: Mishnah is like all the collected writings, of the rabbis uh-huh. reflecting on the law. And they're like, if we really want to keep the law in yeah. these changing times, we should do this, 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 right. and this this. And Jesus well.
0: is like, no, 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 no. You're missing the whole heart of the Sabbath. Because right. like... You've misinterpreted would, the character of God. That's right. Because he would go and heal someone on the Sabbath. Right? right. And people would freak out out and be like you're not allowed to do any work on the sabbath and he's like um if you have like an animal that falls into a pit on the sabbath and it's languishing down there with a broken leg you're allowed to pull it out you can you'll pull it out Does won't it, you doesn't your mishnah teach that you should pull it out yeah <laughs> and then and then he's like isn't this guy worth more than a donkey like so he, right. he's saying it's it's we should do good on the sabbath yeah. The Sabbath is not a day to just like strictly observe a law and not do any work and deprive ourselves of everything and not interact with the world. He's like, no, if anything, if you're not going to work that day, the Sabbath is, is a day to do good for people. Right.
1: And Or even like, to enjoy the world. Yeah. And how much, I mean, even like if you want to talk about it, like a little hedonistically, it is a joy to help others. Right. So why wouldn't you want to help somebody in need yes. on the
0: Sabbath? And like, you're supposed to like cook all your food be- on the day before. Right. On the Sabbath. It's like, great. So I don't have to cook. I just get to eat all day. Awesome. Right. It's, it's very hedonistic day. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so that's interesting. So like uh, Jesus showed the true nature of the Sabbath law. Right. There was a principle behind it. He was that principle. And then like and God saw all that he made and he called it good. And he called it good and he rested. Yeah, so enjoy the world. Enjoy the week. Yep. You've had a great week. You've had a great week. <laughs> You've had a great week. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, and then let's so let's look at then the Passover. So pause, oh, Sorry. pause okay. right, okay. right yep. there. Stop. So based on that, oh sure. What what we're allowed to say, yep. we no
1: longer have to rest on a Sabbath. Oh, no. We get to enter into true rest, right? Okay. Yeah. So so let's talk about it so like so yep. now like so we just explained it like So now what, like, how do we interpret the Old Testament law that said you must keep the Sabbath and there were strict penalties if
0: you did not keep the Sabbath. Right. So like, yeah. Uh, So, and this is a really debated one because there's many Christians who still observe the Sabbath today. Yep. Once a week. um, Yeah. Seventh-day Adventists, I think. uh, Adventists, they they do that. Um, and, And I, but I think that the majority of, of the New Testament, especially Hebrews would lead us to believe that Christians have Sabbath rest today. As long as it is called today is what is what the, is what right, the Hebrew right. author says that the Sabbath rest remains today, and so the rest that we enter into is daily, every single day we have rest uh, from our work because Jesus has accomplished everything for us. We have the right to enjoy this world because He called it good. You know, don't right. call anything I've made unclean. Yeah. Call it good. Call it good. And like and and yeah, we work, but it's good work. It's pre fall work. You know, we work the garden with Jesus and we're his co-laborers. So we don't just sit around on our sofas all day and right. do the Sabbath, So it's have your, true rest.
1: So I know there's another phrase out there called already and not yet. Right. So, which it means it's like we've already, we're already experiencing some of the blessings of what it might look like to live in God's permanent kingdom when he returns. But we have not yet experienced the fullness of it. So what you just said was Sabbath in the Old Testament, the way that you really honored the intent of the, the God, made good things was to work really hard on the ground that was difficult and the sixth day you rested and saw what was good about it but today our nature our relationship to work is fundamentally changed because of jesus yeah is that what you're saying
0: i, I think so i think so and like I, different yep.
1: from an old testament person right. on
0: the on the backside of jesus Back.
1: yeah i mean kind of, <laughs> right? the <backside> of jesus.
0: <laughs> i think also there, there's something to note here like um you know even Paul in Colossians talks about, don't let anybody look down on you for not celebrating the Sabbath. Yeah, Like he says certain that. Certain days, certain
1: festivals. Yeah, certain and so priests. it's like
0: we know in Colossians 2 that we should not let anyone condemn us, I think is actually the word, right. for not practicing the Sabbath. Yes. And so we know that there was a strand of Christian that didn't do it. But we're also told in, towards the end of Romans not to look down on people who do practice the Sabbath. Right. So the the question we're answering here is is not should or shouldn't a Christian take a day a week and have Sabbath rest.
1: It's what is the eternal nature of God behind the Sabbath laws. Yep. And what you're saying is the eternal nature of God behind the Sabbath laws is one that enjoys the creation. Yep. Enjoys the work and also has periods
0: of rest. Yeah. And that and, and ultimately even more than that, the Sabbath was all about trusting that God would provide. That's what it was all about right was like don't do any work don't make any food don't go and collect the the food out on the ground whenever you were right. they were traveling right. in the right. wilderness it's just god will provide and so like do you have a daily rhythm in your life where you are trusting god to provide for your salvation for the clothes on your back mm-hmm. for your food for your family for your friends like so this kind of ratchet this ratchets up big time what used to be one what what used to be one day a week one day a week kinda of, and more of an external thing. Yeah. Like just don't work. Now it's he's saying, I want it every day and I want your heart in it. I mm-hmm. want you to actually trust me that I'll provide. And not just for your food, but for your eternal being. Yeah. Like he does ratchet it up big time, right?
1: Which, which is, which would be in line what he does in the Sermon on the Mount, right? It's like it's not just about adultery; it's about lust. Yes. It's not just about resting; it's about <clears throat> trusting. Yes. That I'll provide everything for you yep. every single day, and it's not
0: one day a week. Yeah, it, it's every single day. Right. But so,
1: it you can help me here. So okay. I understand, like even in Leviticus, they'll talk about like the heart over and over again. Yes. About and its importance, but mm-hmm. the Sabbath day is never like. I just want to. I want to get us from okay general principle behind the law, but how do we get to, okay, but you can do it or not do it? Right? Oh, like, right. Like, why, like, how can we make that leap when we really have clear commands that say, make sure you do it every day is an ordinance that'll last forever. Yeah, <laughs> you know?
0: it's a really hard question. And it's why there's still huge denominations that practice the Sabbath. That's why even
1: Paul's like, do
0: do what you want. And that's kind of <laughs> where I have to come down on it. And like, we would probably have to have another 20 or 30 minutes on this topic to maybe come to a kernel to grab from this. But basically it's like, Paul seems to give me liberty to follow my conscience here is that's the word he uses in Romans. Hmm. And so it's like, but, but the, the option isn't observe or don't observe. That's a false dichotomy. The, the option is observe it one day a week or every day of the week, you know? And it's like, right. And, and it's like, or like observe it publicly in a grand yeah. fashion where you actually don't do anything or observe it in your heart. Like, cause right. the real issue is not whether or not you you work. You know, the issue is, are you trusting God to provide? Are you doing right. good? Like, that's what Jesus constantly butted up against. He, The Sabbath, the man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for man, right? That's right. what Jesus says. And so there's also wisdom here in saying, like, you know what? I do need a Sabbath. Like, right. there's wisdom in this that I should take time every week to rest. Right. I mean, I
1: mean, the fact that the Lord does it in creation is a strong, like, just like, argument from prudence and wisdom. Right. Like, there's probably actually a reason why you should do it once a week. Mm-hmm. Because if you, there there are Christians who live their life and like, I'm just gonna work every day and you can trust God yes. that way. That's yes. possible. But there's probably something to be said, like, you should probably take time every week and mm-hmm. just do nothing. Yep. Because more than likely, if your rhythm every single week is to always just run on your own steam and to never rest, you'll probably start trusting your abilities more right. than God's provision. Yep. So there's just wisdom to say, no, you should... You should stop
0: and do nothing. Right. You should reflect and enjoy what God has given you. Yeah. And so the wrong thing for us to do right here would be to make a prescription. Because that's exactly what we're saying. The laws are are not necessarily always universal. They're applications. They're applications of an eternal truth. Okay. And so the eternal truth is God wants you to provide or, or to trust that he provides and to rest in that fact. For a lot of us, that's going to look like just, okay, then I just need to do nothing for a little bit. and. Meditate on that fact that God provides, but but like there is a, a dispensation in your heart that can just look that like your, right, right, your whole right. life can be rest. Right. And so, um. Anyway, and okay, uh, this is helpful. Yeah, this is helpful okay, for me. Let's look at another one. So, um, there's also the Passover. Right. When the Passover was instituted after the tenth uh, plague, um, right in Egypt. Yeah. Uh, he said, Blood. "You will, you will Slot eat this meal forever, once a year. Yeah, forever." Yeah, and now we don't. Right. Now, so, now again, some Christians do practice the seder, right? Yeah. They do practice a traditional right. Passover meal, but Jesus has replaced that Passover meal with communion.
1: Okay. So right. So
0: now a law ha- now he's fulfilled. Maybe fu- not replaced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I but mean, he's, he's fulfilled, fulfilled it. it. But he did really replace it. Like,
1: well, I mean, the pa- the communion was in the context of Passover. Yes. It was like right. He was eating the Passover meal, and as the meal was ending, and one of the want cups of wine that they drank, he said. This meal is about me. Yep. This meal is about me. Exactly. We have a whole podcast
0: about this. We do. Yeah. And so, and so what's interesting with this one, again, it's ratcheted up. It was one meal once a year, right? To celebrate, right. to celebrate an amazing act of God. Now we're it's saying like, as often as, as, you, as often as you come together and eat this meal, think about an even more amazing right. act of God. Right. And so it's more regular to celebrate a more radical act of grace. Hmm. And so everything is getting ratcheted up in Jesus's law. Right, and so yeah. So you could say it's you don't need to take communion, right? Like it's like it's not
1: a law that you must take communion. No, but you would be missing something profound in your Christian relationship if you with the Lord, your communion with the Lord, if you refuse to honor the eternal character of God in bread and wine. Yes. Yeah, right.
0: absolutely. And so um, that, that's an interesting one. So let's take one where we still obey it. So we've got,
1: had two where we don't really necessarily need to obey it. We don't practice this Passover, and we don't necessarily have to practice Sabbath. Like, but what about one where we do have to still obey it? Oh, like what? Like, uh, like m- adultery? Let's do adultery. Okay. So Leviticus 20.10. Right. If a man commits adultery with his wife uh, of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. And then there's, there's more stipulation if you sleep with your mother-in-law,
0: your father-in-law, right. you have, you have, And now they on. just get a reality show, <laughs> <laughs> the Real Housewives <laughs> yeah, of Atlanta. Exactly. Uh, okay. Not that I've watched that. <laughs> I hope not. I have to seriously reconsider our friendship. Uh, okay, so we have a clear command to not, if you're married, don't sleep with your neighbor's wife. Right. And okay.
1: neighbor, not doesn't mean physical. Yeah, it's like, yeah,
0: yeah. Not your next door neighbor. It's like don't sleep with someone else. Let's just, yeah. be, let's just be. All this. people are your neighbors. Right. <laughs> Uh, And so Jesus picks this one up and he says, yep, that's still true. Uh, And uh, and in in fact, I'm even going to ratchet it up and say, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery with her.
1: Yes. And then Paul will say adulterers don't enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. So why does this one
0: go all the way through? Yeah. And you have to obey it. Right. But not the Sabbath. Okay. I was initially intimidated, but then as you kept talking, I was like, oh, I think that's a pretty easy answer. <laughs> yeah. I think it's because the uh, eternal principle that manifested this law is very similar to the law that it manifested, basically. Okay. that yeah. The law and the principle are very similar. So, like, the principle would be that God is a covenant-keeping, marriage-loving God. So, covenant keep like, God... Keeps his promises.
1: Keeps his promises. He enters into relationships with people right. for a long-term goal. Yep. And throughout the Old Testament, yep. the covenant that God has with His people is described as a marriage. Yep. Over and over again, and Israel's unfaithfulness to God is described as adultery yep. and whatever else.
0: Exactly right. I mean, you can even you can even zoom back and like kind of Ephesians this thing out or even Daniel, Revelation, they all talk about it, that like God wrote his bride's names in the book of life before the foundations of the world. And he's been eternally faithful to them. Amazing. Like that is some eternal covenant faithfulness. And so what God is saying, when you enter into a marriage, a covenant relationship with another person, you must remain faithful to that person as I have remained faithful to you. Okay. And so that doesn't, like we still get married today, right? So that's another thing is marriage is still an institution. Right. Yeah. We still get married today. Right. And so when we do that, it looks very similar to when they got married three thousand years ago, because it's still an institution. And so don't there there's something God did not say. I choose this. I choose Israel. Right. And then he went. Oh, you guys suck. Never mind. I choose Babylon. That never happened. Right. And so like because God keeps his vows. Yeah. And so he's saying I want you to keep your vows too, because that's who I am. That's who I want you to be. I want you to be holy like I am holy. I want you to look like me. And this goes back to
1: this goes to his commands on divorce as well. Right. Yep. And it also helps me this whole conversation kind of helps me with his command when Mo- he says Moses wrote those laws about divorce because of your hardness of heart. Yes. There's like this eternal character of God that is unchanging, but he notices the suffering and the sinfulness of his people and he's making laws
0: based on his character to provide what? Like some leniency such- because we suck so bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. he, 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 you're talking about the time when Jesus said that Moses allowed a certificate of divorce to be given to a wife. Right. And so that's grace from God. God hates divorce. The Old Testament says that. that he abhors divorce. Right. And yet... In his grace, he's like, I know how sinful you guys are. And if your relationship is so broken that you can't continue, I'm going to allow a man to give a woman a certificate of divorce. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he can enter into a marriage that will be right. better. And
1: I think the reason why. But that, then
0: Jesus said no, no more of that. And I think
1: <laughs> the reason why is he uses the phrase hardness of heart. So right. hardness of heart refers to unbelief. Yep. And so the covenant people of Israel was always a mixed bag of people who truly loved Yahweh and truly trusted Yahweh and who didn't. In the church, people who are Christians, people who are bought into the covenant, new covenant relationship that we have with God as his partners in this world, all of us have soft hearts. Right. So there is no there's, there is There's, there's no, no
0: reason for a softening of the command. Th- right. There's no right.
1: yeah, because we don't have hard hearts.
0: Yeah, our hearts have been we've been the we, heart of stone has been taken out and it's been replaced with a heart of flesh. Like, so we just said
1: yeah. hard things there about divorce, because like we probably have listeners who are divorced. Definitely. There is grace for divorced
0: people. Big time. Yeah. Jesus went to, like the woman at the well had four husbands and the fifth one wasn't even her husband and they were sleeping together. And there was grace for her. Does
1: not cancel out redemption. Does not cancel out God's love for you. But what it does tell us is that the way that God's law works throughout time is based on his eternal character and our covenant with him. Law is the application of God's covenant relationship in a particular time with a particular people. And that's, that's kind of what we're trying to get out right. here. So like why do some continue and some not continue? Because they're based off of eternal commands in a particular moment with a particular people. I'm also thinking about sexual immorality in general. Yep. So just like not sleeping with somebody before you're married. Right. So like, this is in the Old Testament, and it's continued in the New Testament, but as it circles back around to the same principle of covenant keeping, right? Yep. Like God, when he entered into a covenant with you and he was like, relationally intimate with you, right? Like, so like that
0: communion, that union with God. Yeah. When he entered into you and took up residence in you. Right. Yes. Like like these are very sexual. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like it's like it was sexual back then. Yeah. And sexual today. Even I'm reading a Puritan, John Owen. Uh He talks about our relationship with God as conjugal unions. Oh my goodness. Which is like... Whoa, Puritans. Whoa, Puritans. (laughs) Puritans, really? John Owen, the most lascivious of the Puritans. He... um. So, the point is, but how did God purchase that union? Yep. With Him, His whole self. Right. He withheld nothing of Himself to purchase that union with Mm -hmm. you. So, how can you, who are in that communion, be united to somebody else without giving all of yourself? Right. This isn't don't have sex, go get pregnant, and die. This is because you have been bought with a price. The only way that you are intimate with the Lord is by
0: giving, he gave up everything. Right. So if you want to be intimate with another human being, give up everything first. And it's like, we get to be like God by showing exclusive love to another human. Yes. How cool is that? Yes. Like, and you can do that even if you've been like unfaithful in the past, you can say right now. I get to start being like God Yes, and like I get to repent. That's what repentance is. And now I get to show exclusive love to this person. And as I do that, I give my whole self to them. I'm imaging Christ on the cross. I'm imaging God's covenant love and faithfulness to Israel and his church. Right. Like, whoa, like that, that just zooms morality out into the stratosphere. And it's like, it's not about rule keeping. It's about God is showing us ways to be like the creator of the cosmos. Like yes. we get to yes. be like yes. the greatest being in the world. And so it's not lo- the law it's is not keeping. It's right. not bad. It is the best thing ever because it's letting you be like God. And that's what Leviticus repeats over and over and over again. So what Paul says multiple lives. When it gets really confusing, it's like, do I uphold the law? Do I not uphold the
1: law? Am I thinking the law is bad? No, the law is good. Why? Because it makes us like God. We are being made holy as God is holy. And now because of Jesus Christ living inside of us, we have new power to do so. This is why the author of Hebrews says it's impossible in the case of those that have been enlightened, um, who have tasted the heavenly gifts, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them to repentance. Mm. Why? Because they're crucifying once again the Son of God to their own heart, holding him up for contempt. Yeah. So that, does this make sense what i Yeah, saying it's here? a hard passage, but yeah. It's like what we're saying here is that if we have been bought by Christ's blood, if he lives inside of us, if God is making us like him and we are trying to pull on mm-hmm. that power and then say, no, we don't want it. Right. The curses of the Old Testament come back. Right. But in eternal form, you are forever, never, you will not inherit the kingdom yep. of God.
0: Or the other way to say it is if Christ is in you, he will manifest himself in your, the way you live. Right. Like if you. positive way to say A it. positive yeah, way yeah. to say it is if the Holy Spirit is in you, he'll make you like God. Right. Like you will start to be more holy. You will be sanctified. You'll start following these laws. Yep. Okay. As we wrap up here. I want to I want to I want to circle back to the Old Testament. We're about in the next episode, we're going to actually read a bunch of laws. Yeah. And I think after we've talked through this, I think I'm coming to a different conclusion than I came in with, Ooh. which I'm really excited about because our experiment <laughs> the experiment <laughs> continues. But what what it, what it makes me excited about is we've said that in the laws, in every single law, right? If all scripture is god-breathed, if it's profitable, you know, yeah, yeah. like every single law is in there, to do, some, to do some things for me, right? right One, we've said that Christ is the new treasure, so I can see Jesus in the law. Mm-hmm. so I'm curious to like open the law and how do I see Jesus behind this law. Two, I'm excited to see what is the character of God you know behind yeah. this law? Why did God's character in this culture manifest itself in, in this way right and to learn more about my creator right and be like, oh, that's what God's like. I want to, I can be like that. He wants to make me like that right And then three, to find out what his will is for how I live. Yes. How does he want me to function morally? What are things I need to be doing? Um and I and I want to do that because apparently there's more joy for me if I live that way than if I don't.
1: Right. Psalm one. Yeah. Like uh the tree that's planted by streams of living water yep. will produce its fruit in its season. Right. Like and it's delicious. Yeah. And
0: what he's talking about is the Torah observer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We talked we had a podcast about yeah, that. Yeah. That and so anyway, um I think I, I wrote one other thing down as I was kind of Brainstorming yeah, and yeah. meditating on all this um, Is while we may not Observe every direct command Like because things change like we don't celebrate The Seder meal anymore it got replaced We right. don't actually stop every seventh day Some of us and do do the Passover right. We don't we're not circumcised we're not We don't have to be circumcised anymore. we didn't talk about that we don't eat Kosher anymore right, right? we didn't talk about that But we've talked yeah. about that in other episodes yeah. Um so while we may not observe every direct command in the law, every law reveals something to us about God and is profitable. Like, right. That is just yeah. what I'm saying. It's yeah, like, yeah. Um, and, and what I think is really interesting too about this is if you could, I know we're going to zoom in a little bit next week right. and look at laws, but if you zoom out a little bit okay, and look at the whole story of Israel, because this is part of a narrative, is you, you get to see a picture of the world today and in eternity is that like God has entered into a covenant relationship with people and he's holding out grace and mercy to people. Yes. He in, He invites them to come and be like him, but those who refuse to will be exiled and will be cursed. But those who enter into this relationship and be transformed into his image are blessed with life eternal. And it's like, that's yeah. the Torah. Yeah. Right. That is the whole Torah. That's the story of the Torah. L- like l- this is how you can live with God forever. That's the story of the Torah. Yeah. And if you don't, you will not live with God forever. Right. And that's the story of the New Testament. And like, that's the message of the gospel is it's like, God is holding out a covenant for you. He has fulfilled all the sacrifices that Leviticus says are necessary to live in God's presence in right. Jesus Christ. So come receive his grace and then allow his Holy Spirit to enter into you, take up residence with you and manifest these laws yeah. in your life. In the,
1: and the call here. So I think sometimes when we say like obeying laws feels like death. Like all these laws, I think a lot of people see them as restrictive. It's Mm -hmm. like I can't live the way that I want to live. Right. But that's why Jesus always says to count the cost. Like at at Mount Sinai, He saved them from Israel, uh, saved them from Egypt, manifests His presence, His powerful display, and He says, "I will be your God, and you will be My people." And then they say, "I will do all that the Lord has commanded." Right. Like we have that same choice today. God has already has already provided salvation for us in Jesus. Yep. He has already saying, I would desire you to be my people yep. and I desire to be your God. And our response is to say, actually, it would be better to be like this God that I see in Jesus yes. than if I was to live contrary to my own laws I have in my yeah. heart. My own preferences, my own things that I wish I could act on right, right? It's like better it's better yeah so the appeal here is like jesus salvation for us is great but who jesus can make us into is so much greater than who we could make ourselves into if we followed our own desires
0: Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of scripture. So to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit SpokenGospel.com.